Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Inspirational Living Podcast, a weekly show that inspires and motivates you to live an emotionally and spiritually balanced life. I'm Ryan Cassidy. And I'm Marianne Johansson. And we're very excited about tonight's show as it is our first in our new series of shows called Inspirational, Sacred, and Mysterious Places. And each week we are going to travel the globe to a new destination as we work our way across the continents, bringing you information about places that are inspirational, sacred, and mysterious. Um, And because Marianne and I are lovers of travel and research, we decided that this would be a wonderful way to discover different destinations around the world. And because many of us are so busy and unable to travel as much as we would like for, you know, whatever reasons that may be, we can enjoy learning about someplace new together and maybe add it to our bucket list and hopefully we'll tickle your curiosity. So tonight, join us as we take a trip down down under to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, Marianne, do you want me to start us off tonight? I just love the images of the places I found and the, and the locations. Yeah, Ryan, please, uh, you, you go ahead and start. And I can't wait to hear about the places you pick for our show tonight. And who knows, maybe our new series can even inspire our listeners to go and discover their own country and to dive into some of the fun and mysterious places there. I know I still have lots of places to visit just here in my native Denmark. And um, I know I'd go if I got a good tip-off from someone. So, But Ryan, which mysterious place did you want to take us to first tonight? Um, okay, so tonight we're going to start off with a visit to New Zealand. And so the first mysterious and inspiring location I found was called the uh, Waitomo Caves. And the Waitomo Caves are located about three hours from Auckland and are known to be a network of over 300 caves under New Zealand. Um, And there are still more that are being left, that are are still left to be discovered. And I just want to first apologize to anyone for my, um, if I mispronounce any Maori words or names, so please be kind and bear with me here. but the name Waitomo derives from the Maori word wai, or wai, uh, which means water, and tomo, meaning hole or shaft. So this cave was said to be known um, known by the Native American people of, or I'm sorry, the Native Maori people of New Zealand, <laughs> and only discovered to the rest of the world in the late 19th century. Now, Maori used the caves for shelter and as a burial site, and therefore the caves are considered a sacred place for Maori people. And one Maori legend tells of a young hunter who happened upon the cave and was attacked by wild dogs, and the dogs were later captured and killed near the cave. And so when a local tribe later settled near the cave, they named it Ruakuri, meaning den of the dogs. And this particular cave entrance has been closed to the public, um, and a newer entrance was opened only just recently. And some people say that it was closed due to some land disputes, and some people also say that it was closed due to some of um, some stories of hauntings inside this particular cave. And in the late 19th century, a local Maori chief named Tane Tinora and an English surveyor named Fred Mace were the first recorded people to properly explore the caves. They took a canoe down the river, which leads into the cave. And once inside, they discovered many different passageways, some leading into complete darkness, 
and some leading into what um, they call a cathedral, which is an 18-meter-high chamber. So it sounds amazing. And the Waitomo Caves are full of just many different types of natural wonders, such as like limestone formations, stalactites and stalagmites, and also many unusual species of insects. And one of the most famous grottos in the caves is called the Glowworm Grotto. And Tane and Fred eventually floated like into the darkened grotto, um, you know, which seemed to glow like a starry, like a star with starry lights all above them, giving the illusion that you're outside under a starry night sky. And the glowing effect comes from a species of New Zealand glowworms, which are uh, a species of um, fungus gnats whose larvae are bioluminescent and which inhabit the caves. So I find that really spectacular. Wow, Ryan, sounds absolutely magical. I, I just love how, you know, I just love how natural places become sacred to people and how they are revered also. I've never been to New Zealand, but um, it's definitely on top of my list as well of places that I want to visit. I mean, it's just the rawness of nature there. And, you know, caves just seem to be something archetypical to us as human beings. I mean, caves used to be home to our ancestors, and there's something about entering caves that, connects us to our primal or deeper instincts, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. And, you know, the, the photos of this cave are really just amazing photos. And it, it reminds me of um, this scene in this movie. Um, I'm sure you've seen the Disney movie, The Little Mermaid, when they go into the grotto and the lobster sings, you know, kiss the girl. And the, the glowworm oh, yeah. grotto would be just a fabulous place to visit one day, I think. Um, yeah. Now, that... Now, the other cave that is rumored to be haunted, Marianne, um, it said it would be, fu I think, you know, I think it would be fun to go into as well, but I'd probably chicken out before we get, like, right into it, so I'd have to stay outside. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would be torn on that one, too. I mean, I think I might need a little time to level up my, my courage, but, um, yeah, I love the mysterious, and um, I think my curiosity and the explorer side in me would win, though, but it's not a tough call, I guess. <laughs> um would you like to hear about a place that I found interesting as well, Ryan? Yeah, definitely. Go ahead. I mean, I, yeah, there's there so many in New Zealand, but I picked this one because of its raw beauty and it's a highly recommended place to go if you want to go on a hike or even do some rock climbing. It's Castle Hill, or and me too, I, I would like to apologize um, <laughs> in advance for if I mispronounce any uh, Maori uh, words or names here, but it's um, Kura. Tauhiti, I think, um, as it is named, named by the Maori. So it's Castle Hill in English. And it's an amazing formation of huge limestone boulders and other rocky formations. And judging from the images I've seen of Castle Hill, Kura Tauhiti, it seems that wherever you go, you're sure to get some spectacular views and amazing nature experiences um, and just nearby, you find Flock Hills, where some of the biggest battle scenes of the movie The Chronicles of Narnia were shot. And um, speaking of movie locations, as fans of the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit will know, many locations around New Zealand were used for filming these epic movies. And you can go on special Lord of the Rings location tours when you visit New Zealand. Castle Hill is not one of them. 
But judging from photos, it still looks like scenery straight out of the movies. And you can imagine all sorts of beings running around there. Um, did, did you ever watch the Lord of the Rings movies, Ryan? I, I mean, I think they made a lot of people aware of the, the sheer natural beauty of, of New Zealand. You know, I, I did watch the movie, and that's kind of really where um, I started to hear a lot about New Zealand, and of, and of course from some of the teachers that I used to work with at school. But I don't know. I think it would be cute to have a Hobbit house. That's I, that's what I want to go and see. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I'd love to see those too. <laughs> um, but well, another reason why I picked Castle Hills, Castle Hill, is because I came across a statement by the Dalai Lama, who visited the place in 2002. And he apparently felt the sacred energies there so strongly that he proclaimed that this place is the spiritual center of the universe. And I found that so interesting and inspiring, and I just wanted to share that with everyone tonight. I would just love to go there and and feel the energies myself. Um, So that was Castle Hill, and I know that the next place on our list of mysterious and inspiring places is also a place of boulders and stones, Ryan. Do you want to tell us about it? Yes, thank you. And that was so inspiring, Marianne, to hear that about the Dalai Lama. Um, Well, the next location is a bit of a mystery in itself, and the origin of it still remains unknown, and there's a lot of speculation that it could date back to a pre-Maori civilization or could possibly be a step pyramid with, um, with a flat top, such as seen in the Mayan civilizations. Um, So in New Zealand, near Lake Taupo, is the Kaimanawa Wall, located in the Kaimanawa National Forest. And the wall is visible at road level, and it goes far back along the road, uh, you know, according to the research that I did. Um, The blocks of the wall are perfectly sculpted blocks and have perfect lines and edges that join together exactly and go backwards and upwards in blocks and levels. And the exactness of the stones has stirred up a lot of controversy with um, historians and archaeologists and tourists and locals as to the um, exact origins of this wall. And many believe that the wall is a man-made structure that according to you know, some of the scientists could date back to Maori or, or Waitaha, I think that's how we pronounce it, Waitaha, pre-Maori people. And the New Zealand government and many New Zealanders believe this theory to be untrue and impossible and claim that it is a natural formation and that there is no proof of the structure being man-made and that it's, it was naturally formed from a mountain rock surrounding the area. In in the 90s, though, a researcher named Barry Brailsford wrote an article about the structure called, and he called his article, Megalith Mystery, Are Giant Stones in the Kaimanawa Forest Park Evidence of an Ancient New Zealand Culture? That was the title of his article. And in the article, he claims that the wall could link New Zealand with Egypt, South America, and other ancient civilizations. And on a video documentary that I saw about the wall, it said that the stone that makes up this formation was tested in an Auckland laboratory and was revealed that the stone is made of rhyolite and that that this particular stone doesn't uh, naturally occur near the Lake Tapau area and that rhyolite 
does, however, naturally occur about 16 kilometers away from the Kaimanawa Wall, and researchers suggest that the stones were actually cut and then, like, lifted and carried into the forest. So there you go. Another mysterious or just beautiful and inspiring location in New Zealand. Well, whether it's man-made or a natural formation, Marianne, <laughs> I think I would love to go and spend an afternoon sitting in that forest and just, like, soaking up all of that lovely energy. How about you? Oh, yeah, I would, for sure, Ryan. That sounds that sounds great. I would love to go see that, all these enigmatic places. I'd, just, I'd go to every one of them all over the globe, wouldn't you? <laughs> and, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I was just, yeah. You know, I was just looking at some um, images of this wall, and uh, they sure look a lot like images of some walls in South America, like Peru and other places. And I just admire the people who take the time to study these things and, and help us find out more about our past. Well, there are so many more places in New Zealand, so I'm starting to think we may want to come back to this part of the world in another episode and pull out some more cool places to see there. What do you think, Ryan? Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, just the idea of there being perhaps another pyramid uh, on the globe that we could discover, um, that's pretty fascinating to me. So I don't know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I wouldn't mind doing a a show on location, if you wouldn't mind. (laughs) Can you imagine that? (laughs) And I should put that on my vision cards, actually. (laughs) I would love to run. And that's a great idea to put them on the vision cards. I have to get started on mine as well. But um, but for now, we're going to head over to another enigmatic and historic and spectacular place on our planet, namely Australia. And lots of places to visit here as well. It was so hard to pick um, a few for this show. And uh, we're just going to take a look at a few of them. Um, and I just wanted to say that I'm lucky enough to have visited Australia in 2001. I um, well, We visited the East Coast and went on bus all the way from the rainforests and whitewater rivers of Cairns down to the Prince Byron Bay and the Gold Coast of Brisbane. And we ended up in the hustle bustle of Sydney and surroundings. And, and what a trip to remember that was. It was amazing. So such a... a fantastic place Australia and I'm sure New Zealand is as well Um, but a place that I feel we must mention here tonight and which is still on my bucket list is of course Uluru. Uluru is the indigenous name for the red uh, at least 500 million year old rock that is also known as the heart of Australia and Ayers Rock as many call it also but there's so many names um, surrounding the, the rock and the place and so many sacred sites around it and uh, I know I just love to feel the energies of that place as well Ryan I can't wait to hear about this one actually I've been waiting for you to do this Um, I don't know a lot about Uluru so I'm excited to hear what you've got to say tonight Mm, well I did some research on it also I had to look some things up and uh, but to the indigenous peoples all over the world there are strict rules for who can visit their sacred sites and when the site can be visited, and what kind of rituals or ceremonies should be performed per, should be performed at any particular site. So sites around the world have become sacred to indigenous peoples for various reasons. And to the aboriginals, Uluru itself and the sites around it that became sacred were the places where dreamtime beings visited or went through or where they did something particular. The one such sacred area of Uluru is the Mala Track, which is named after the Mala people, 
um, which are mythological creatures that are the forefathers of the local Aborigines. And the Aborigines believe that these important ancestral beings are still present and watching over the place, helping to ensure a harmonious balance of the relationship between people, animals, and nature. Um, and in 1985, Uluru was handed back to the uh, Aboriginal people in the area, who are collectively called Anangu, and I hope that I pronounce it right, um, and who have been living in the area for at least 30,000 years, according to my research. Um, to them, the whole area is very spiritual, special, and sacred, and they actually find the climbing of the rock disrespectful, as to them, the spirits of their ancestral beings still reside in the rock. So just please consider this and respect this if, if you go to see Uluru. Um, you can, however, walk around the base of Uluru, a walk of about 10 kilometers, which takes about three and a half hours at a regular pace, but still just you know, be, be mindful of showing respect towards any sacred sites that you may, may pass along the way and just enjoy the, 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 the area. Uh, I didn't know that it was considered disrespectful to climb up at Marianne. And, you know, it's, it's so good to know these mm. things before visiting. Yeah, I think it is. And, and, and something I didn't know also until I researched a little bit more is that the Uluru we can see is actually only like the tip of the iceberg. It's the tip of a giant rock formation that goes a couple of kilometers down into the ground and rises again above the ground as the mountains called the Algas or Katachuta. Um, about 25 kilometers away, so that's fascinating. Um, oh, and I, I saw the red color. I I know I had read this years ago, but I forgot actually how it, the red color um, came. And it, it comes from oxidation of iron minerals within the rock structure itself. So being exposed to the oxygen in the air over millions and millions of years has made the iron minerals go rusty. So amazing, amazing history and symbolism surrounding this unique spot on our planet, Ryan. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And, you know, that's interesting mm. that that's how the, the, the red color has come from. And I think everybody knows it and recognizes it from that, uh, that reddish, rusty color. Uh, and I put up yeah. a picture on our Instagram, and it just looks so beautiful with the, the blue background of the, the sky behind it. So just beautiful. Mm. I'd love to Amazing. see that. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so... Another place that I found in Australia, uh, which is quite interesting, um, and many people don't know about this one. I know I certainly didn't know about it before I did research. It's called Bull's Pyramid, and it's located off the eastern coast, and it's about 30 kilometers east of Lord Howe Island. It's the world's tallest uh, sea stack, and it's said to be part of a 7 million year old volcano that existed in the Pacific Ocean and was once a part of the lost continent of Zealandia. Now, that's someplace I've never heard of before, um, and I think mm. we had discussed this, Marianne. I think it was also surprising to you as well, wasn't it? It was, yes. And as much as we're into lost continents and all these myths, you know, and or legends, it's, we, we didn't know about this um, Zealandia, so that was interesting. It's very interesting, uh, definitely a place I'm going to have to research um, after this. But <laughs> photos of um, Bull's Pyramid are absolutely beautiful, and I would certainly suggest you look it up uh, on the Internet if you get a chance. Um, but I did read that Bull's Pyramid is also home 
to the largest known species of stick bugs, which can be as large as your hand, um, according to some of the photos that I saw. Um, so I don't know. Getting up close and personal with this island may not be on my bucket list <laughs> just because of that. <laughs> I, I'm terrified of bugs, so to, <laughs> to see that might have me running the op in the opposite direction. I might have to enjoy it from the boat with a cup of tea instead. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I think the stick box wouldn't bother me so much, I think, but uh, but I think I would also rather enjoy the views from the boat, actually, and join you for a cup of tea, right? <laughs> and uh, and, um, and like like we said, I mean, as much as we like, love reading about lost continents, um, I'll definitely have to look up Sealandia also and read up on, on that one. Yeah, that's intriguing. I, I'm really interested in, in hearing about, <laughs> about Sealandia. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, I imagine it would be just like as exciting as um, and mysterious as like Atlantis or Lemuria or, you know, I'll have to read about that one. Um, yeah. It's really exciting. Fascinating. Yeah. Fascinating. Everything. Um, so it's just more and more reasons to start saving up for those plane tickets, isn't it? <laughs> mm, definitely. <laughs> so there's, there's something for everybody worth visiting and exploring in Australia and going exploring is exactly what you can do in the numerous caves across all of Australia. Australia has lots to offer in this area as well. And as far as I research, there are unique and breathtaking caves to be found in all of the eight territories of Australia. So if you're into caving, you'll be absolutely spoiled for choice, as you can find fossil caves, crystal caves, limestone caves, and the world's oldest caves. And um, speaking of crystals... There are various crystals to be found as well uh, and are being mined in, in Australia, like mentioning a few are garnets, which you can find in New South Wales, quartz in central Victoria, amethyst in Queensland, and opal mines are scattered around the continent as well. And I'm sure I didn't mention all of them here, but, um, you know, you can um, research everything on, on uh, online and find Mines also if you're into crystals as well. And I'll just mention here that the Genolan or Genolan caves in the World Heritage Blue Mountains near Sydney, supposedly the world's oldest caves, where you can also get your thirst for the mysterious quenched in one of their nightly ghost tours. Fascinating. Oh, no, no, I'm not going on a ghost tour. <laughs> no, thank you. I'll let you do that one. Um, but those crystal caves sound interesting. I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think me too. I'll stick to the crystals. <laughs> but I came across this other place, and um, since we're talking about mysterious places, I wanted to include this one as well. Now, I'd like to apologize also in case, again, I'm not pronouncing this right, and I found it quite a few ways of saying this name. So the place is the Vanias, and it's it's spelled like Wangina, so it sounds like that, but I, I read that it's called the Vanias. Uh, caves in the Kimberley region in the northwest corner of Australia. It contains some of the oldest rock paintings in the world, and some say they date back as far as 50 or 60,000 years, and then again, some say 4,000 years, so it's uh, a tough call to make. Uh, but And these caves are uh, scattered with paintings of, of the Wanias, which are supreme spirit ancestors of the aborigines of the region and they symbolize fertility and rain and storm the warriors also brought the law and they can punish those who don't follow the law by creating cyclones and rainstorms the aborigines of the region called the mwanjum people 
still choose certain members of their community to refresh their paintings each year in order to renew the spiritual energies and the life force that the images represent. And the warriors are depicted as tall beings with large eyes, no mouth, and special headdresses. And as with all sacred paintings, they're used to convey stories and ancient ceremonies or rituals to their people. As these paintings are deeply spiritual and sacred to the Mwanjung people, it is advisable, again, to show respect, like by not taking any photos without prior permission when visiting these amazing caves. And I hope that my little research on these caves is correct, as I always try to get as close to the source as I can, especially when it comes to sacred places and indigenous peoples, as I know the respect they show their ancestors and the natural elements. So, Ryan, that was all from me. Uh, but I know that you have one last interesting place for us tonight. So do you want to tell us about it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last <laughs> place I have that I found, um, and I think it's such a cute and funny place that I'd love to share it with our listeners. It's it's like a place I told you about the other day, Marianne, called Gnomesville. So mm-hmm. Gnomesville <laughs> is this it's this really kooky and fun world that that has some mysterious origins. And it's located at a roundabout in the south of Western Australia and is home to an estimated 5,000 gnome statues. And no one really knows how the gnomes first appeared. And there are a few, like, urban legends about its creation. One one is that uh, some workmen placed uh, the ceramic gnomes out out by the roundabout to create a cricket scene. And another legend is that the no, one gnome mysteriously appeared, and so some people decided to put their gnomes out there to keep the other that, that first gnome happy so he wouldn't be lonely. <laughs> and as silly <laughs> as it sounds, this place has really become, like, super popular amongst tourists, even when, I mean, they even have, like, uh, guided tours that will take you to Gnomesville, which also has, like, a picnic area and a park nearby. And... You're even encouraged to bring your own gnome to add it to the community, but you must first give your gnome an identity, give him a name, and maybe say where he's from before leaving him, and then you can add it to the group. And depending on if, you know, he wants to go fishing or join a pop band or hang out with, like, the kitties on the school bus, it just depends on where you want to put him. (laughs) There are all these different, like, scenarios that you can uh, imagine that I saw on uh, photos on the Internet. So it's really funny, and they have really cute signs up as well. So I love this one um, that the Spencer family did. They they put all these gnomes in a boat, in like a cruise ship, and said that this is the, the Spencer family cruise ship or Spencer family cru- uh-huh. cruise. So I thought it was so cute. Cool. And if you're in Australia or near the, uh, and, and near the Wellington Mills or Ferguson area, so you should take um, – Take a gnome over and visit some of the 5,000 gnomes that are already there. Sounds like fun to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> that sure sounds like a fun place to go visit Gnomesville. I'm sure it speaks to the child and the wonder of fairy tales in all of us. I'd love to see that. <laughs> well, you know, we know that we've only touched the, the tip of the iceberg of inspiring and mysterious and sacred places around New Zealand and Australia to tonight. So we'd like to invite you to tell us about places you think would be cool to share with all of us and you're welcome to post it on our Facebook page at Inspirational Living we love to hear from you yep and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or Overcast 
And um, if you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. And you can email us at inspirationallivingpodcast at gmail.com. And we hope you're going to tune in to our next show next week uh, where we're going to be discovering England. That's going to be fun. So we hope that, definitely. So we hope that you all enjoyed the show tonight and thank you for staying with us. But uh, before we sign off, we'll leave you with our roomy quote The inspiration you seek is already within you. So good night, everyone, and thank you. Good night. Good night, everyone.